Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits. Turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello and welcome to Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's show, we've got a big one for you, so we're going live with it. We've got a midweek recap of everything it feels like. You thought the summer of soccer was over. Incorrect. We've got NWSL action that we've got to recap the women's cup we've got wicc we've got some more news and in notes some some trade news and we've even got a weekend slate of games to preview for everybody so let's get into it before though we want to let you know that you can watch all of our episodes and exclusive interviews on youtube subscribe to our page to get notified whenever we go live youtube.com slash attacking third and an additional heads up we need you to please check your spam folders for yes. an email with the subject podcast awards, final slate voting. If you voted for us in the podcast awards, we really appreciate all your help. And now there is the final round. So go ahead and vote for attacking third to win best female hosted podcast. Thank you all so, so much. Lisa, how you doing? We got to talk am- about it all. <laughs> I am so good, Sandra. We have someone in our chat right now. Tyler, shout out to you saying, hey, I don't have enough eyeballs for all the soccer happening oh. right now. Tyler, us either. There's Best so energy. much happening. Our rundown right now is so packed of everything that we have to talk about um, and, and touch on, recap, preview. But but like it's great. It's it's almost like uh, champagne problems because there's so yeah, much right? football that we, we get to watch and we get to absorb and soak up. And it's so good the competition is so good like that's the other thing it's not like it's crappy soccer it's really good (laughs) like we want to be clear about it like there's so much going on still even in august we went from july to an active august as well and we love it and we're enjoying it but yeah tyler hit it right on the head it just i just simply don't have enough eyeballs i'm not disappointed that there's so much awesome women's soccer happening like no give it to me all the time when you can but Mm -hmm. yeah that's the uh, downside of it right we only have the two eyes and some of us only have so many devices to try to like oh, only so many screens like, at once. I'm like stealing my fiance's work laptop. I'm like, I need to watch Paramount Plus on this. I need to upgrade my subscription so I get more screens, yeah, like right? more like- soccer, more soccer. <laughs> and of course, I have to watch it all live because that's that always- just how it works. Because then that- you got to be on Twitter and you got to we got to come recap it on here. And I, there's only just so many hours in the day. I love it. I love you, it. You like touch, like, you hit on it, like. 
correct. It, it's just like, got to see it. And then you have all these like different streams going and then you get hit with the like, hey, you're streaming too many things at once. And you're like, I didn't watch this stuff for my job. What are you talking about? It's so funny whenever that happens to me. But um, I'm excited to chat about it all with you and not just the recaps of these games. We're going to. Oh, Sandra, you muted yourself. No, my back. Welcome back. Thanks, everybody. I, I was just so excited to be here. My mic decided to just cut itself off. Uh, but we're not going to just do the recaps. We're gonna. I was saying that we're going to make the picks for everyone as well. So we're going to have that for you. But we're going to try to go in a little bit of order here. And we had a number of games kicking off in midweek action this week. So why don't we start with WICC? Because this maybe gave some some surprises for some folks. It's uh, we had Lyon and Chelsea and Portland Thorns going up against Monterrey Rayadas' first uh, you know appearance in the WICC. And naturally, uh, we had both of these games uh, end in regulation in draws. So we had Lyon and Chelsea end in a two-two draw. And then we had Portland Thorns and Monterrey end in a 1-1 draw. And so at the end of regulation, going through some things, they had to come down to penalty kicks in these two games. And so as it went to penalty kicks, you had Lyon advancing, and then you had Monterrey advancing as well. So you had Portland Thorns get taken down, unable to do, defend their WICC crowd for 2021. And the final is going to be set up between Lyon and between Monterrey. This is an exciting time. I love it. I was very excited to see uh, Liga MX Feminil teams uh, participate in each of these respective uh, competitions, whether it was WICC or Women's Cup. And, and we're going to talk about that as well. But uh, I feel like it's uh, it kind of matched the energy for me, you know, coming out of July where we saw a lot of suspenseful moments, right, in, in some of these international competitions to, to sort of see this kind of boil over into August where there's still this this suspenseful level of play, but it's at, at the international club level. Yeah. Um, and so that's been, been really, really cool for us to sort of witness here. The WICC has been fantastic to watch. I mean, the, this opening night of games on Wednesday um, really made it exciting. I'm so excited for Saturday to watch the final that's happening um, in, in the WICC. But there's so many emotional things happening off the pitch in the WICC because Lindsay Horan, who spent many years at the Portland Thorns, is now playing for Lyon. And she came back to Providence Park. There was a bit of a homecoming for her to see some of her old teammates play in front of the Portland fans um, in Oregon and and for Leon to win. Haran ends up getting a goal on a great set piece. So like the emotional factor of this is there and, and truly fantastic. Then in the Portland versus uh, Monterey game, and, and this one also ending a tie, like the, the football was fantastic. A 2-2 tie between Leon and Chelsea and then a 1-1 tie both of these going into penalty kicks, which just makes it that much more suspenseful. Suspenseful. However, during the Portland game, the U.S. international defender for Portland and midfielder Crystal Dunn entered the booth alongside Lori Lindsay, Jen Hildreth, and they had a little interview conversation about with Crystal Dunn. It was fantastic. It was great for um, her to kind of talk about stuff again and and say how her pregnancy journey was, um, giving birth to her son, starting her family, how mom life is, and then most importantly, like when she'll be back on the pitch because Jen asked that, Lori asked that, they wanted to know. Um, she's working on it. She's working on getting back for both club and country, so that was really good to see. But yeah, I mean, this these late night games were fantastic and so fun to watch, and I am very excited for the final on Saturday. Yeah, same here. I think there's always that layer of when you're looking at at teams who are kind of maybe in that preseason form, you're kind of like, well, what are we going to see here mm -hmm. from, from these teams? And then you have other teams who are currently in season, whether it's a Thorns or Monterrey. So I think it was a really good mix uh, of, of mutual energies, I think, on, on the pitch. So hopefully uh, match day one will lead into some exciting things for the third place match or the final in WICC. You can catch all that action uh, on August 20th. So tune in to see who comes out on top. But 
that was it's not just club international tournaments that we're taking a look at right now. There is a World Cup in progress, and it's the FIFA U20 World Cup. And we had to touch on this because unfortunately, USA took on Japan in a group D finale. And they had some scenarios coming into play here with Group D. And unfortunately, a, they suffered a 3-1 loss in this uh, in this group, day, uh, group D decision day type of scenario, Lisa. Yeah, this um, the, the U-20 Women's World Cup is incredible soccer. So for those that haven't been watching, although the U.S. is now out, they are knocked out after this loss, um, it, it's still incredible soccer to watch. So tune in and, and watch these games happening. But for the U.S. U-20, this 3-1 loss to Japan was hard to watch almost it, it was the talent that the u.s has on yeah. this team is incredibly high and and they just fell a little bit short against this japanese side who is also a uh, reigning champions of the u20 women's world cup they won in 2018 but this group d finale um it was ultimately zero zero at halftime and the first half was incredibly evenly matched between these two sides the u.s had some chances ali senator a usa forward she had a great opportunity a shot from about the penalty spot that really could have set the tone for this game in the first half especially for the u.s uh, but in the second half japan gets on the board first and and it was a turnover a counterattack moment a breakdown on the united states side that japan Japan just capitalized on and ended up scoring this one. Then 12 minutes later, Japan doubles their lead. They end up getting a second goal. It was off a set piece, a corner kick for this second goal. Um, and the U.S. just looked to be deflated. I mean, 12 minutes apart to get two goals against. Um, but the U.S. does get one. The The final ends three to one. So the United States does get a goal in the 70th minute. Um, Alyssa Thompson, she gets the assist on a cross to Simone Jackson. It was Jackson's first goal of the World Cup tournament, but then 84th minute, uh, Japan gets their third and final uh, header goal. It was, this goal had a lot of controversy. It was initially called offside. Then they went to a VIR decision, uh, but ultimately the goal counts. It's good three to one. But in terms of like, the statistics in this match, although like just watching from the naked eye, you could I think that the first half was very evenly matched and the second half maybe had the upper hand to the Japanese side. But both teams had 12 shots on goal, three corner kicks. But Japan was just a bit more clinical. So Japan finishes first in the group. Netherlands finish second in the group. Both J Japan and the Netherlands advance and the United States used 20 side is knocked out of the U-20 World Cup. Uh, pretty devastating. This was um, a great chance for the U-20 team. It's very sad for them, but the future is bright for those players that are in college oh, yeah. and heading into the NWSL in their next couple of years, and I'm sure we'll see a handful of them uh, playing at the national team senior level before long. Yeah, most likely. I mean, yeah. there's a couple of them already playing playing pro, right? Whether it's uh, Jaden Shaw or uh, Olivia Moultrie, quite frankly, I I believe Alyssa Thompson looks good enough to to perhaps maybe yeah. make a, a choice, right, for for herself uh, moving forward. And I think when you look at these types of of competitions, the the World Cups, you know, sometimes the the luck of the draw kind of comes comes back to get you i mean this was not an easy group to 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 no. get out of and and sort of seeing uh the team's performance against you know netherlands and then having to go up against uh japan you know you'd have wondered if uh if just maybe this was going to be a, a really tough group and it it turns out it really did shake out that way uh but i, I would say like even looking at some of the play um, throughout throughout this, you know, from the U20 team, um, there's a lot there. I'm, I'm with you, Lisa. I think there's a lot of uh, promising things there. I don't think that this finish is, you know, representative of the talent that was on this U20 team. Unfortunately, that's soccer. That's soccer at its, you know, one of its highest levels. And yeah. um, at the end of the day, that's how things uh, shake out. So, um, you know, uh, we're going to probably get a chance to see a lot of these players, like you mentioned, um, 
go back to their uh, collegiate programs uh, and be able to sort of keep up with them and follow them there. And uh, some of them will get to watch in, in NWSL action as well. And that's also uh, equally exciting. So uh, congrats to to the team for for you know representing the, the crest and hopefully we get to continue to see uh, more success for them. Uh, but let's dive back into uh, club competitions here. We've got to chat about the Women's Cup because there were three matches that took place in midweek action for this competition. And there was a match to to determine what was ultimately fifth and in sixth place uh, of this competition, but also the two semifinal matches to determine the finalists in the Women's Cup. Tokyo Verde taking on Tottenham uh, for fifth place. Tokyo Verde coming out on top of this one, two to one, defeating Tottenham uh, in the first of this triple header of matches. And then we were very excited, of course, to see the introduction of the NWSL teams in this competition. They had a straight bye to this semifinal round because the tournament expanded this year, right? Four teams to six teams, uh, multiple match stages versus just the semifinal round and a final round compared to last year. So quarterfinals took place already, and then the semis, uh, the semifinal matches featured Racing Louisville FC uh, against AC Milan and OL Reign versus Club America to determine two spots in the Women's Cup final. And I believe, if memory serves me correctly, in our recaps of these, Lisa, I think we both went for Racing against AC Milan, and then in OL Reign, I believe you had OL, and for parity's sake, I said, let me go with with club america and i gotta say watching these watching these matches i was kind of like oh my goodness the the oil rain and club america when i was like this has like the feelings of kind of a club world cup final energy to it and i really really enjoyed it um we were a little bit curious as as to what we were going to see from laura harvey which is what kind of you know i said you know let me just roll the dice with club america and see here because we again we saw something similar like how we saw out of Angel City, when they had their exhibition game against Tigres Femenil, we saw a lot of the uh, the Reigns depth players coming in and getting starting roles in this match against Club America. And it looked uh, it looked promising for a second there for the Liga MX Femenil side. Uh, but this one ends 2-1 uh, in late game uh, excitement, quite frankly. You had... Club America get on the board first mm-hmm. with uh, Kiana Palacios, and they had a quick 1-0 lead in the second half, uh, but just quick, quick turnaround. You had Ziara King in the 79th minute, just a few minutes later, uh, Vander Yak with, with the go-ahead goal, and now they're going to be heading to the Women's Cup final. And uh, let's chat a little bit about racing, too, because we had them picked. What did you think yeah. about that, Lisa? Yeah, so we both had Racing Louisville and then, as you said, Club America, OL Reign. I'm always so impressed when you remember our picks. Maybe my brain is just a little too scrambled that I never know, hence my notebook. But yes, you were correct on our picks. Um, Yeah, I mean, this OL Reign, Club America game was very entertaining to watch. That's That's what I mean. Like, all of the soccer right now is so good. But between Racing Louisville and AC Milan, this game was also fantastic. Um, There was... a, a a disallowed goal. There was two goals for racing Louisville, um, but it took a little bit for racing Louisville to, to find the back of the net ultimately, but they had a lot of possession. They had a lot of momentum throughout this match. I mean, racing Louisville looks like an incredibly impressive team. We saw uh, Wang Shuang, the Chinese international who signed with racing Louisville uh, play significant minutes and, and make a significant impact in the midfield for racing Louisville as, as a player that can control the pace of play, switch the point of attack, be creative and and be um, in the attacking end and just create so many chances. So Schwang actually had the first goal for Racing Louisville that was then disallowed, uh, came off of a corner kick that it was then offside. But because of that, I think it fired up the Racing Louisville team even that much more. Nadia Nadim ends up getting on the board a, a little bit of a flick header in. It was really cheeky from Nadim. And then Wang Shuang, she redeems herself and she gets another goal, making it 2 nothing for Racing Louisville. The second goal by Shuang was just incredible, incredible. It was um, a, a bouncing ball coming out of the box. AC Milan tried to clear and Shuang 
hits it directly into the ground. So it bounces up and over AC Milan's goalkeeper's head and right into the back of the net. It was, it was beautiful. And the celebration from Nadia Nadim and Wang Chuang was just so fun to watch. These two players played together previously. They have a lot of experience there. And now to have them back on the same team, both scoring goals in this match, this is the first goal we've seen from Long Chuang. Doesn't count as an NWSL goal, no, though. So, but I, it, important though, right? I mean, I mean she's still home for racing Louisville. Yeah, like, she's still technically so like new to the team, getting acclimated to playing yeah. alongside her teammates, and hopefully, maybe that'll be a little bit of foreshadowing. Like maybe we'll see some mm-hmm. of these performances tra- like translate into, um, you know, uh, NWSL regular season matches because they're going to have a chance to compete for a trophy against another NWSL side. Um, But I'm a little bit curious. um, Again, I'm still curious as to how these two teams are going to look for the championship final here. And maybe like this is where we'll do our little preview because it's official. So they, you've got all rain. What I wanted. It's just what I cooked up. Yeah. We, we said them in the preview. We were like, we would like to see it like, you know, and, and we're going to see it, but Laura Harvey, you know, rolling the dice, giving a lot of her 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 bench uh, starting roles in the in the match against Club America, uh, important minutes for players who probably are still building those, you know, w- with this all rain side. Um, but then you had what looked like to me for racing. I'm like, that's a that's a starting eleven. Quite frankly, I was just mm-hmm. like, they're going. This is something that we could potentially see for this team to kind of close out the remainder of their regular season. Um, And maybe it's going to be a little bit of a mix of let's try to close out the season as strong as we can with a bit of momentum, maybe try to keep playing spoiler. Uh, But I loved kind of seeing these early bits of chemistry uh, between, between all these, these, these vets, quite frankly. Um, I thought Jess McDonald had a really, really good game in the semifinal oh, and uh, was really, really an integral piece. She uh, broke ankles. Yeah. Like just, she, she was part AC of. Milan didn't know what to do with Jessica <laughs> McDonald. It, it was, was a struggle. So it was a struggle. fun to watch her. Frankly, she did the same thing like three times and was six, more and more successful each time she did it. Attacking two defenders taking the space getting moves around sending crosses into the box she is the reason uh why racing louisville had so much success in their attack and and created so many chances i mean she is just she's jess mcdonald is so good no wonder why she leads the nwsl in assists because she sets up her teammates so well so well yeah it was it was cool to see that against uh against a against ac milan so i'm Again, I'm I'm still curious of what that's good. That's a quick turnaround. You know, are we going to see a similar lineup against Ol Rain? You know, they they didn't have their typical starters. Uh, you know, in that semifinal. So we'll see what it looks like in the women's cup. Do you want to make a pick, Lisa? Who do you think is going to lift the cup? Um, I think Racing Louisville is going back to back. I think just wow. the I do. I really do. Right. I think that because this game isn't an NWSL match, like this this match does not count towards the NWSL regular season that we could still see a bit of player rotation from both racing Louisville and OL rain. But um, I think that to win this cup means a little bit more to racing Louisville because it's at home because they won it last year. It's their tournament. Like I think that Kim Bjorkegren and and this squad are are doing anything and everything they can to get this win. Not that OL rain isn't, but I think that Laura Harvey, we could see a little bit more player rotation from her um, as though they're still going to go out there and win. But between what we saw from racing Louisville against AC Milan and then OL rain versus um, Club America, I think that racing Louisville is, is just on some type of energy right now. I think they're going to get the win over OL All rain. Right. Well, you know what? Let's just go for parity. I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going to go all rain. I think Laura Harvey will make some adjustments in this cup final because this is the game where the actual trophy is going to be on the line. And it's a little bit different if you're a racing Louisville side that's kind of been struggling in the NWSL regular season going up against a different European side that happens to be in a little bit perhaps of of out of season form perhaps. Uh, And I think... Once they kind of level things out, NWSL versus NWSL, I think Oral Rain might be the ones to come out on top. But 
We'll all have to watch and stay tuned to see if we were correct or incorrect. Just a quick reminder, you can watch the third place match and the cup final Saturday, August 20th at 8 p.m. Eastern and 11 p.m. Eastern, respectively. Tune in and make sure you also tune in to us in our recap of everything. But we're not done with this episode by any means. We've got more to chat about after a quick break. We've got some NWSL news and, of course, an NWSL midweek recap and preview ahead of this weekend's slate of games. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're back. Let's share a little bit of NWSL news before we get into actual NWSL matches. The league announcing a few new front office hires. They've gone ahead and made a hiring for a new chief marketing officer. So welcome to Julie Haddon. They've made a hire for uh, Tatiana Hani, which is the ch- new chief sporting director, and Bill Order, a chief operating officer and chief legal officer. And some of these names uh, might be familiar because of their uh, connection to the sport in the past, probably in particular Julie Haddon. Uh, mm-hmm. She was an investor that was announced with the Chicago Red Stars franchise in 2021, uh, but she has uh, officially divested from the Chicago Red Stars before accepting uh, this new role. Yeah, so three new hires. Um, Commissioner is making some moves, getting some people in the offices. They also announced a couple months ago that they were moving the, uh, the offices from Chicago to New York. So a lot of changes happening in the NWSL. Um, but some of these names, as you mentioned, uh, Julie Haddon it was with Investor with Chicago. She also spent five years with the NFL as a senior vice president, global brand and consumer marketing. So in her new role as uh, chief marketing officer, she'll see like the planning, the development, executing of uh, the NWSL advertising, media, marketing for fans and players, promotion, social media, influencers, research, brand efforts. There's a lot really that falls under her, but the promotion of the league is a lot of where that comes from and, and the public eye. So um, big role for Julie Haddon. And then for Hani as the chief sporting director, she spent years with the Swiss Football Association, uh, the director of women's football there. Um, and then before that, she was with FIFA for 18 years. So a soccer-minded person for sure in Hani. As the chief sporting director, she will collaborate with the players, the officials, the stakeholders. She'll help develop the procedures, the policies, the programs to um, implement the players, the coaches, the referees. This is those types of people. They all have titles and names and incredibly important jobs. And then Bill Order, um, he, he was a lawyer. But then before that, before he spent time in his law firm, 23 years in the MLS and with United Soccer Marketing as the operations, player personnel, legal and business. So it's essentially the same role for him that he had in MLS, but now he's doing it with the NWSL. So player affairs and operations, um, administration of rosters and negotiations of contracts and disciplinary actions, um, game medical operations, everything legal with like expansion teams, the discovery process when young players like Jaden Shaw want to come into the fold, Olivia Moultrie, uh, Bill Order will be handling all of that. So a couple of new hires, I think like in the grand scheme of things, this is good for the league, right? We're growing. We're getting people in that have worked in the NFL, that have worked in MLS, that have worked in football federations, uh, that understand the global scape of this and how big the NWSL can be. And this is the first step to getting there and growing the league. 
Yeah, I think that's the where the signs are pointing. I think when you want to look at growth across the league, I think one of the things people were pointing at going into 2022 uh, was the fact that there was a historic CBA that got put into place and everyone said, great, this is a thing that you want to ensure gets uh, put into place uh, for the players ahead of this season and for you know future seasons to come. But that also means you're going to be looking at other roles and other areas across league offices, perhaps, and Obviously, that you know came into play with the hiring of a commissioner, and uh, with Berman. Now there are other positions that they have recognized that needed to be filled. So, welcome to all of the uh, new folks in the front office who will be participating in their new roles for for the league. Let's get into some game action, though. We do have a midweek match that we have to recap for everyone before we go ahead and make our previews and our picks for the upcoming weekend slate of games. There was one midweek match. We had Houston dash taking on Gotham FC Houston, picking up another win here two one over Houston goals from Ebony salmon, Marissa Vigiano McCall's Raboni getting on the board for Gotham FC, but just wasn't enough in this one. Gotham picking up another loss. Uh, yeah, this um, for poor Gotham, right? Like coming into this match, but frankly, it's I don't think it's that surprising um, what what we saw from this side, and and I don't know the fact that they can't pick up wins, but um, with <laughs> we saw for the first time because although Hugh Menzies, the new interim head coach for Gotham, stepped in last weekend, uh, he wasn't he's taking more passive role for Gotham this time this game out against Houston a much more hands-on approach to this game and I I think it showed because up until this point Gotham has been a team that sits back is very defensive and frankly not that great in their defensive efforts because it's very individualized defense last night we saw a Gotham team that played as 11 players on the pitch and one unit which we have not seen that at all this season. They defensively were very good 1v1 defenders, and then we're, we're combining as a unit. We saw possession in the midfield between Cujo, Mewis, Zerboni. I think Cujo did a fantastic job of being that pivot player to switch the point of attack. There was so much more patience in keeping possession of the ball, finding the open player, uh, passing it around. And, and then when you look up top at, at Smith, Purse, Sonomanu, at those players that were looking to create opportunities. I mean, it was just a much more well-rounded game from Gotham than we've seen in a very, very, very long time. On the other side, what? Give me some thoughts. I would say maybe maybe in the second half. I would say like it took both of these teams. I It felt like in the first half that this was going to get real midweeky really quickly, if that yeah. makes any sense, for lack of a better word. I thought that the first half of this game was, it took it took a while to get going. It was a little physical, a little choppy, for me, um, but yeah. I'm, I'm with you in terms of it looking a little bit different for not just Gotham, maybe both both teams, obviously, into into the second half. I, I think both teams as well. But like the the fact that if you take Gotham's last five games, they didn't play anywhere like this team we saw last night in in, in those last five games. They just there was so much more cohesion from this team. And and Humenzi saying that um, one of the biggest things he did was tell this team that they are good and talented and they're worth it. And like sometimes just hearing that from a different person that hasn't been there for a long time coming into a program to say like, you are very talented players. You are a good team. Let's put it all together is what a player needs as a little bit of a shakeup. It's almost a different perspective. It's not the same person saying, hey, we got it next week. Let's go. It's someone new coming in. Um, On the other side of it, though, Houston Dash, this is a team that's on a bit of a tear. I mean, Ebony Salmon, holy cow. Like, how is she constantly doing this, scoring all of these goals? It's so fun to watch her. She's so excited. This is another great goal. She creates something out of absolutely nothing, out of absolutely. Absolutely nothing. Salmon creates this uh, goal-scoring opportunity for Houston in this match, and and it really was um, the best of it. It it kicked everything off for Houston. 73rd minute, she gets this goal, and then Marissa Vigiano with a beautiful strike. Just three minutes later, it was like bam, bam, bam for Houston. And then um, after this, it it, Zerboni gets one, which was also a great goal, and and. Gotham fighting back to get in this one. But um, there's one thing we've got to talk about in this match. Midge Purse. 
Before we get there, I mean, I want to I want to touch on Ebony Salmon really quickly. Uh, we're just watching an incredible second half of the season performance, like in real time. Uh, I just every time Salmon scores a goal or like provides a different attacking look for Houston, I'm just like, what went so wrong in Louisville that? I this know. player got moved and we're watching her tear it up with a completely different team in a different style. Right. And we're talking like making the golden boot race a little bit more interesting as the season kind of enters, not even just the second half, but like the final third of its, of its season, seven goals in, in five games. That's, that's like a madness. Ebony Salmon is out there pre- pulling off a madness like like every game. So I think the timing in which this goal happens, I think, is also very important, you know, because it's sort of dipping into it's dipping into areas where you're like, is this going to end up being one of those type of midweek matches where, again, it kind of like it ends in a draw and then on top of that, possibly a scoreless draw. But uh, yeah, shout out to you know, a very strong, another strong individual uh, performance from this player. But I think maybe we can transition that into the point that you're trying, trying to get to in this game where sometimes you have like individual performances impact a game, even though it's a team sport. And then on forgot them side, they had a player removed from a game. And then it sort of felt like it also impacted Gotham's game a little bit as well. And we're, just above the hour mark right before there's any even before there's any goals Mm -hmm. this game there is a set of a free kick scenario that comes into play and as houston is going to take this free kick mitch purse is involved in in a call in a call and is issued a a second yellow which results in a red and a send-off uh, for uh, approaching, and the I think maybe the reaction on the pitch kind of set some things in motion, uh, perhaps because we saw uh, Anumanu also receive a, a yellow for for dissent on that. There was a lot coming out of, of Gotham in terms of you know the the body language and the reaction to a call like that. Uh, what were some of your reactions as you, as you were kind of watching in real time? Um, I think it's a, a way for um, a referee, Alex Beltier, to get a game under control for sure. I mean, so the fact that Purse already had a yellow card in, in the match, um, in terms of like the officiating perspective, that person is already on thin ice in, in the referee's eyes, in what they're doing. And as a player, you need to be smart and understand that you're already sitting on a yellow. So any nefarious foul that you make is potentially going to be a yellow just because you're already sitting on one. It it like increases the aspect that you're going to get another one. Now, if this, if person didn't have a first yellow card and she encroached on a free kick, I think it maybe would have been a card still in that sense, because you can't do that. You can't walk up to someone about to take a free kick and, and stop them from doing that by being three yards, four yards from them. So the fact that she was already on a yellow made it an immediate yellow as soon as this happened. Then the fact that Anamano gets a yellow for dissent and com- and conversing after this card, that's something that was a little shocking to me. But I also don't know what Anamano said. But from, from the broadcaster's perspective and from watching this game, there was like five Gotham players around the official. So Anamano must have said something that didn't sit well because then she ends up getting a yellow. But um, honestly, it's like a bad call for Midge Purse. Like, what was she thinking? That's what I think. I'm like, you need to be a smarter player uh, in order to know where you are in the game. You're in the 60th minute. You're already sitting on a yellow card. This kick was not like one yard outside of the 18, right? It was just (laughs) over halfway. It's not like they're about to score and you're like, hey, I'm going to one for the team and yeah the positioning of it was like really I don't think it was necessary for purse to step in front of the ball and try to block this slow down the play at all at all yeah it's um I just think it's it just kind of like goes in line maybe a little bit with like just kind of Gotham's season to date quite Mm -hmm. frankly you know it's like 
I, I think people's, you know, reactions to it probably comes from the fact that it, it sort of bleeds into those arguments that people try to make week in and week out about um, officiating in the league. And I'm going to, I'm someone who's going to be far less critical of officiating when they actually make the call versus when yeah. they don't make the call. So I'm like, okay, well, they saw that happening. She was already on, on a yellow and it's a call that um, we don't often see made in NWSL, but that doesn't mean that once it's called, there's going to be like a lot of like chaos around it. So I think that perhaps that's probably some of the energy in, in that it's, it's similar to when, you know, perhaps an official doesn't give the yellow as often for keepers who, time waste a lot right there's also a lot of uh freak out about that when when the, when the official actually issues the yellow about that so it's like there's this kind of like nitpicky picking and choosing about like when to want to be critical of rest versus like wanting to let things slide I, I think it's just it's just like more more fun more gasoline to the fire of this of this uh of this actual subject you know but when it got called in real time, I was just kind of like, oh, can't do that. It's also like a choice. Like you you mentioned a really good point about where the positioning on the field that this free kick took place. Yeah. Don't try to play games in that moment, especially when like Houston's likely not going to, you know, find themselves in a really, really good opportunity off of this particular set piece right so um i think you've got at this point in the game you've got one of your better players on the team sent off and now this player is going to be unavailable um for for the next game so i think you know obviously it goes without saying gotham fc is a better team when mitch purse is on the pitch for them uh but she wasn't for the remainder of this half and will now not be with them for, I believe, the game against Orlando Pride is their yeah, next one uh, coming yeah. up. So um, it's also, again, like it's also the timing in, in which this happens. Like sometimes, like you get a player sent off and perhaps it opens things up a little bit differently and players get their teams get different looks because they're forced to kind of make some adjustments. And I think we did see that a little bit from, from Gotham. Um, but again, it's just one of these things where it was just a little, little too late. And I think even with this goal from from Vigiano specifically, you just sort of saw this. It was kind of like a, a clear, more of a, a defensive breakdown for me yeah. versus like a moment of brilliance from, from Vigiano. I mean, she is someone that I think has been having a very quiet, successful season with Houston. She's not someone that I think people are looking at and saying, this is a player that has been absolutely integral to Houston's success, but when you're looking at her and her time on the pitch with this team, she she is. <laughs> the Sophie yeah. Schmitz of it all, I think, are going to be, you know, the focal points and stuff like that. But Vigiano has, has been this type of player additionally in the midfield to kind of give different options uh, for, for the dash. So, um, you know, getting the go-ahead goal when, when you're up against a team that's already down in general in the standings and maybe mentally, and then on top of that, down a player within a game, you just you're just watching this game and you're like, there's no way they're going to come back from this. Right. But then they end up getting a goal, right? McCall Zerboni gets one, but little things, I guess it's the I little thing. I guess. Find the silver lining. But after purse goes out, uh, Menzies has to make a slew of changes right now at this point, you're down a player. Yes. It's a forward. It's not your center back. So th things don't have to shift that much, but three changes happen. This is now the second time in two games that Houston is um, against an opponent that's playing down a player. And last time against racing Louisville, they couldn't close it out. That game ends in a draw. This time they still concede a goal. Like I'm, I'm nitpicking yeah. here, but Houston, you can't concede a goal when you're up a, player um <laughs> score two you gotta hold that shutout right like those are integral points that houston needs especially towards the end of this regular season when they're at the top of the standings they're tied with portland but goal differential comes down to being one of the the tiebreakers and if you're pushed out of say third place into fourth or fifth into sixth or sixth into seventh it comes down to goal differential so that's yep. something that i bet houston's not too happy about that they conceded a goal late in this one but um hey the, these teams they're back at it again this weekend so We'll see. 
Oh my goodness. You know what? Let's make the picks. That's a great, that's called the transition folks. Let's take a look at some of the slate of games that are happening this weekend. We're going to go ahead and make our picks for you. Let's start with Kansas city current versus angel city FC. They're kicking things off on Friday at 8 PM Eastern. Lisa, who you got in this one? So this game is on CBS sports network. It's in Kansas city. We'll have, um, JP, Allie on the call. We'll have Allie Trost giving her a shout out. She'll be on the sidelines. Uh, she's a buddy of mine in Kansas City. So big game, big energy for these two sides. So between Kansas City and Angels, or yeah, Kansas City, uh, current and Angel City, this this matchup is huge. But home field advantage, I give it to Kansas City in this one. Like point blank, um, I'm going to stick with that and go with that. The run that Kansas City has been on in, in the recent form that they're in is just truly – fantastic. They're on 10 games undefeated. They've won four of their last five. They're just on a bit of a run. Meanwhile, Angel City, yes, they're coming off of a win over Chicago, that 1-0 win last weekend, but um, they've slowly dropped in the standings week in and week out, and I just don't see Kansas City dropping this big-time network game at home against Angel City. This will be a huge game. But it, because there's only four matches this weekend, everyone should just watch all of them. But <laughs> definitely tune into this one because this will be a really good game. I'm with you. I'm going with Kansas City Current in this one as well. I think at this point in the season, you take a look at the teams in front of you, sort of the record, the performances that they've been putting together. And we've been coming in week in and week out talking about this Kansas City Current side picking up results they're one of these teams that are on going on a remarkable undefeated streak right they've extended that into double digits they've got uh five wins i believe in their last like six it's 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 uh it's just the momentum that is working in their favor uh combined with the play that they're producing uh, out on the pitch and, and quite frankly i think we're, again we're doing this ahead of uh, availability reports uh in front of us to to access but even without that, just the personnel that's available for Kansas that has been available lately for Kansas City versus the personnel that's been available for Angel City, I'm going to give it to Kansas City. I want to see another big game from uh, Lola Bonta. I think she's been a huge, huge asset for for this team. And uh, again, if if we do see somebody like a Victoria Pickett unavailable because she did kind of come out of that previous game with a bit of a knock. In, in the event that she's unavailable, I think you you there is going to be maybe a little over-reliance on somebody uh, like Labanta. So uh, we'll see how that shakes out. Moving on to Saturday, though, we've got a triple header uh, of matches here. Let's start with a team that we were just talking about, Lisa, New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC going to be facing Orlando Pride. But there's also been a bit of news coming out of this Houston midweek match, and it's going to perhaps impact this game. Haley Hansen traded from Houston Dash to Orlando Pride. This one just getting announced fairly recently. Orlando Pride uh, receiving Hansen, obviously, and then Houston will be getting $75,000 in allocation money as well as a 2023 NWSL uh, draft second round pick. So uh, let's let's maybe you know talk about how this could possibly impact this game. What what do you think? Do you think is it too early? Is this, is this trade too recent to have somebody like Hansen have an impact on, on this pitch? And uh, also give me your pick, Lisa. Who are you going with this one? Well, we have to remember that Orlando also just traded with O.L. Rain for Allie Watt. So they've now acquired Watt, a forward, and Hanson, two players that um, haven't been seeing significant time at their old clubs, right? Allie Watt was getting in and out of games. Haley Hanson has kind of fallen off the ship a little bit with Houston, with Juan Carlos Samaros stepping into the role. Um, so we talked about it with Allie Watt, huge moment for her. I think this is going to advance her career going to Orlando. I think similar could be said about Haley Hansen. This is um, a great move for her as someone who could potentially see a lot more playing time at a team like Orlando. Will she play this weekend? Hey, I'm not, I wouldn't put it past 
Seb Hines, like why not? Um, as this trade happens, she's got a couple days of training um, to to travel to Philadelphia because this game uh, for Gotham Orlando is being played at Subaru Park in Philadelphia. So it, it will be a home game for Gotham, um, but not at Red Bull Arena. And, and when we look at this Orlando side, I've just been really impressed with what they've been able to do and, and almost play spoiler these last few weeks in the NWSL. Um, they're coming off of five games undefeated, two wins in their last five, uh, a slew of ties in the middle there. But a player like Carrie Bello, the rookie out of Penn State, the forward has grown with confidence every time she steps on the pitch for Orlando. She sends crosses in. She led Orlando in their last two games. Two games she started, played 90 minutes, led them in crosses into the box, led them in entries into the final third, uh, led them also in pass completion. So Carrie Bello, a player definitely to keep an eye on in this match. And, and with Gotham, as we just said, they're now without Margaret Purse heading into this match. At least they know that. Uh, they don't have to play down a player, but this, I just don't think it's going to happen for them. I mean, this game is incredibly interesting because you could almost say it's like two bottom table teams. Uh, Orlando is number eight in the standings. Gotham is 11, but Orlando, I think they're going to get the win in this one. Go back to back wins for the pride. Yeah, I'm with you. I think, again, we just got to take a look at uh, the momentum swings that are occurring right now during this phase of uh, this final phase of the regular season. And uh, Orlando Pride are, are one of the stories in, in terms of, you know, the bottom half table teams who perhaps are one of these teams on the outside looking in. Uh, and I think in making some of these moves, whether it was a move with Ole Rain for Ferrelli Watt or this recent move with the dash for for Haley Hansen. I, for me, that doesn't just symbolize like symbolize a look ahead. It absolutely means that. It means solidifying players within roles for the future. But there's also a little bit of rolling the dice on this season still mm -hmm. as it's in play. So perhaps we will uh, get to see these players make an impact in some capacity. But I think even if we don't, the team has assembled in their current uh, in, in their current momentum, I think, have enough here to perhaps go and finally get that long elusive win from Gotham in 2022 here. Well, this is going to be another one of those matches, though, where we talk a lot about that teams that have played each other a little bit more often because they were paired up in the challenge cup mm -hmm. and Orlando Pride was unable to maybe kind of break through against this Gotham FC side. But here we are near late August and we have these two teams having this familiarity with each other, but they're in completely different phases and states of their season now. And I think that the pride are going to go into this one and take advantage of the fact that uh, Gotham does not have somebody like a purse to account for and go ahead and continue and ex extend their undefeated streak to seven. So I'm going to go with a win not just a result. I'm going to go with an Orlando Pride win in this one. Let's take a look at the next one on Saturday. This one also kicking off at 7 p.m. Eastern. It's North Carolina Courage versus Chicago Red Stars. The Courage hosting this one. And listen, we've been talking about these Courage games, and we said there's just no way that there are going to be boring games, apparently, against the Courage. They're going to be shootouts, apparently. Who do you got in this one, Lisa? So this match is um, very interesting because North Carolina has not won a game in six games. They, they have picked up points on ties, uh, but they, they haven't won since they played way back in June. And that was just way too long ago. But they've scored so many goals. That's like the craziest thing about it. They've scored three goals in their last three games to the game before that. So they're coming off of nine goals in their last three games. So they should be winning, right? Like when you look at those types of statistics, nine goals in three games, North Carolina should be picking up wins, but they're not because their defense is struggling to, to prevent goals from going in. Their goal differential is horrible because of that right now in the standings um, at negative three. It, it's it's they could be so much more considering how many goals they've scored on the season at 23. Diana, 
Ordonez leads all rookies. She's got eight goals right now. They've got Caroline back. They've got Dabinia back, the Brazilian internationals. And I think that those two, Caroline and Dabinia, enhance uh, Ordonez's game uh, and it truly elevates. Now, it comes down to defense for this North Carolina side because they're going to score goals, right? We'll probably see Diana Ordonez get another one because why not? She's got three header goals on the year. Let's give her a fourth. But against a Chicago side, that's been um, incredibly good at, at putting up goals and incredibly good at defending against other teams. Now, Chicago's coming off of a loss, though. So they've struggled a little bit. That loss to Angel City did not help Chicago in the standings. But in this match... I want to see North Carolina get their first win in in six games. I'm going to give it to the Courage. I want them to lock it down defensively against a very tough Chicago team. It's going to come down to the midfield battle between these two sides. And if Chicago wins that midfield battle and they get on the board, it'll be very tough for North Carolina to score and come back from that. But I still have North Carolina getting a win. Yeah, I'm with you. And I'm with you because I think it really depends on who's available uh, mm-hmm. for Chicago, quite frankly. So I'm also going with North Carolina to finally break wow. through and get their win. I think Carolina has shown us that they're kind of entering an interesting phase of their season, right? Where they've been in last place for the almost the entirety of this regular season. Uh, but during this second half, perhaps this final stretch uh, of the season, they're kind of going out there with the mentality like, OK, we're just going to like go ahead and participate in a, a wild shootout and we're just going to have to just try to score more goals than the other team. And unfortunately, again, depending on Chicago's availability, they were without Mal Pugh. Uh, last week against Angel City, uh, head coach Chris Petroselli saying it was due to uh, inflammation, uh, you know, of the knee. So they're going to be cautious with that. So there's a little bit of question marks in terms of how Mal Pugh will be available for this game, if she will. And if she is, what's the, you know, the minute restriction, if there is one. And uh, Chicago coming out of that Angel City game unable to get the breakthrough on goal. Uh, And I think looking at that performance where they had a really strong game Mm -hmm. against Angel City and were able to do mostly everything but actually get a goal. And against North Carolina Courage, where they're just like, let's score all these goals willy-nilly, you're going to have to come with the same energy. And I don't know if Chicago is going to be able to keep up in the attacking side of this game. And I also don't know if they're going to be able to keep up on the defensive side of this game because they were also had to see Aaron Wright get subbed out of that game last week as well. So they are very, very, very thin at their back line. Uh, We're seeing a lot of teams make a lot of moves. And for some reason, Chicago hasn't made any moves for their uh, defensive backs. So 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 that's that's what you want. I'm going to call you out on this as our Chicago. I'm putting it on the mic. (laughs) You want Chicago to make some trades for a more of a defensive player. I mean, considering their, their defense is dropping like flies. It's horrible. So you want them to make a trade for a defender? They, if they're not able to do a trade, they have to try to figure something else out. Mm-hmm. It's not, they're very, very thin at back line yeah. right now. And I think the answer was going to be Aaron Wright, but there's a, again, there's a little bit of unknowns right now in terms of her availability uh, moving forward after coming out of that uh, Angel City match. So we'll see. I think that uh, you have a team that has been able to navigate this season pretty well. Uh, but like most teams during this time of the season, you have teams that will rise and teams that will fall. And we're seeing that with Chicago. We're seeing that with San Diego. There are slip and slides that are happening in that upper half of the table. And I think there are two teams in particular that you can look at who are kind of hitting a certain stretch of the season and kind of hitting that struggle a little bit. One of them, I think, is Chicago, and I think this next one is San Diego. So let's make a pick for them. We both went North Carolina in this game. Let's take a look at San Diego Wave FC versus Houston. Lisa, I want you to go happen first. in this game. You go first with your pick. I've gone first for all of them. Who do you have? It's going to be a draw. It's going <laughs> to, this one's going to be a draw. You've got Houston dash coming off of a mid week match. And thank goodness they got those three points. Cause I don't know if they're going to be able to get them on a quick turnaround against a San Diego wave FC side that are probably maybe hitting the point where they want to get, I won't say desperate for a win, but they want to get not just a win, but a convincing win 
right? We're talking about their last six games where they've got three losses, right? Only one win in their last four games. They've dropped. They had a pretty stronghold, a pretty good stronghold on that number one spot for a large part of the first half of the season. And they are starting to hit some tough times in this regular season. And I think that this one is going to come out to a tie. Sandra, I did not want to pick all of the same. We're going to do it. Do you have this one as your draw? I have this one as my draw, too. Oh, no. Remember, Kaylin Sheridan is out. She got a red card at the end of the last match for San Diego against Orlando Pride, a game that they dropped, and they're pissed about that because they hit the post three times in that match. And then Kaylin Sheridan went off on the officials after the game. She gets a red card. She's out. We've got Carly Telford, English International, stepping in for San Diego. So I, I, that's why I'm like, okay, San Diego is going to put up a really big fight. But Houston's on a, a run right now, on a tear. And frankly, I think the quick turnaround for Houston is, is going to benefit them, honestly, because yeah, they – they have this momentum going. Let's keep it going. Ebony Salmon, uh, we talked about it. She's on this incredible streak. Uh, I, It's a draw. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe we picked all of them the same. All right. <laughs> I'm so, this makes me even more excited for the <laughs> recap. But honestly, I can't wait for everybody to, to join us. And hopefully you all do. We want to thank you for joining us today. Thanks, as always, for listening and supporting Attacking Third. Thank you to all of you who voted for us. Please, a reminder that if you voted for us, please check your email, check those spam folders to see if you have been chosen to vote for Attacking Third in the final round, okay? And make sure you enter to win a $100 Paramount Plus gift card. Subscribe to us on YouTube, like this video, drop your social media handle in the chat, watch the Women's Cup on Paramount Plus, and we will be back with more on Saturday night. Program notes, Saturday night, we're gonna recap the weekend. Subscribe to us, YouTube, to know when we will go live. For Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman, this was Attacking Third. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.